Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. While nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. The Why Watch That Movie Talk. We have a movie talk for you. Yes, we do. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Now, two movies that we ironically saw at Sundance this year. <laughs> we saw these movies way back in January. The first one being The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, we alluded in our um, Sundance coverage that we were able to not only watch this, but we also chatted with the cast. We chatted also with uh, the director and a number of the team members there uh, at its premiere. Uh, It was also really amazing, the fact that our first Sundance, this young man who we'll talk a little bit about, brought the idea and some little sizzle reel to a tiny little workshop that was away from everything, kind of at the end of the Sundance street stretch called the Black House. And from there, Brad Pitt's now involved. (laughs) (laughs) So again, okay, so The Last Black Man, directed by Joe Talbot, written by Joe. Uh, uh, The story is with his best friend. We grew up with Jimmy Fails. And it's also starring Jimmy Fails. Richard, uh, Rob, uh, Richard also wrote it. I don't think we met him. Um, it has a cast that you may or may not be familiar with. Some people you definitely are. Like I said, Jimmy Fails, Jonathan Majors. We got a chance to talk to it, Link. Uh, young man out of Juilliard. Watch out for this one. Danny Glover is in it as well as uh, Trishina Arnold, Rob Morgan, Mike Epps, um, and some other people that you may or may not recognize. Now, the critic's going to give us the plot, so listen carefully. <laughs> so Jimmy Fails, play by Jimmy Fails, has no place to call his own. But he does have his best friend, Mont, played by Jonathan Majors, whom he stays with in the home of Mont's grandfather, played by Danny Glover. Now, Mont also joins Jimmy on his excursions to Jimmy's old family home, where Jimmy's making improvements. But guess what? It's no longer his family home. What? Because this part of San Francisco has been gentrified. So when Jimmy shows up to make unannounced improvements, the white couple who now lives there doesn't quite know what to do with him. And then the unexpected happens. The white couple is forced out of the home, which helps Jimmy find a way back into the home as a result. And this leads to him encountering his father and mother with whom he has history, along with his aunt played by Tashina Arnold and the man who stole his father's car played by Mike Epps. (laughs) But just how long will Jimmy's homecoming last? Also, 
What else is going to happen that will threaten the hopes and dreams of Jimmy, Mont, and their contemporaries in the neighborhood? And just who is the last black man in San Francisco? You won't see it coming. Mm. Now, Ref, here's the thing. This is the kind of film that the art house crowd will love. It's shot beautifully with lots of different techniques on display. It has the flavor of San Francisco from the perspective of locals, and it features locals. It's quirky and oddly paced, and its message works better emotionally rather than logically. But what about moviegoers who aren't the art house type? How might they receive this? Well, all of the dots in this story don't connect cohesively. I mean, just how does Jimmy's quest to reclaim his family home relate to Mont's artistic aspirations? How does it relate to the city's water crisis that's disproportionately affecting its black citizens? And how does it relate to the realities of the quintet of guys whom Jimmy and Mont encounter and have history with, among other things? Overall, they seemingly connect in order to comment on how San Francisco has changed over time and crowded out the disenfranchised. But why did they choose this particular collection of things to make that and other points? Also, most moviegoers will feel the two-hour runtime. There are lulls, lags, and lots of weird stuff. Even still, there are a few moments in this film that really stand out. Toward the beginning, there's this montage of Jimmy and Mont riding on the same skateboard throughout the neighborhood. It felt like a high-class music video and showcased all kinds of techniques. I wanted the whole film to feel like that. Then in the middle of the film, Jimmy happens upon his mom on the bus and their interaction is gentle yet heartbreaking. What a moment that was. And then toward the end of the film, Jonathan Majors, as Mont, delivers an electrifying one-man show that's pivotal. You won't soon forget it. And so overall, The Last Black Man in San Francisco has much to appreciate. However, it falls short of a clear, complete, and sustained thought. But what do you think, Ref? I think that I echo a lot of things that you've said. I want to see more more from Joe Talbert. He is an absolute wonder as far as his first. I, I mean, we like I said, we saw him in 2015, mm. 16, 2016, 16. He brought this, you know, strange title, the strange concept to this little tiny little workshop. And now, you know, plan B is a part of and part of it and backing it. Mm. So if I really do want to see more from Joe Jonathan, oh, 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 he is one to watch. Really impressed me there. Um, overall, I'm, I just let it, I let the movie happen to me. And mm -hmm. I, I, I really want to advise the listeners to do that. Let it happen to you. Even if you're not an art house kind of person, I think you can still tolerate it. There's odes to Spike Lee. There's odes to John Singleton. There's a lot of, um, homage that uh, Joe is, you know, paying toward those who went before him. So I say, why not give it a shot? Let it happen to you. And I think if you don't try to get ahead of it or try to make sense of it, it'll, it'll, it'll do you better. Mm -hmm. I want to move on to another movie that we were able to watch. Oh, advertisement is everywhere. It's called 
late night. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's probably exactly what you think it is. <laughs> now, remember, this was, um, correct me if I'm wrong, critic, the highest bidded or paid uh, feature of Sundance 2018, 19. Mm-hmm. It, it got the big ticket. And Mindy, because because of this cast, I'm sure, mm. but Mindy Calling is back at it again, this time for a feature. She wrote it, and Nisha uh, Ganatra directed it. We were able to hear their thoughts when they presented it as a premiere at Sundance. This cast, Emma Thompson, of course, Mindy, John Lithgow, Hugh Dancy, Dennis O'Hare, Max Casilla, Casella, and on and on and on of wonderful, nice little surprises. You even got Seth Meyers doing his own thing and Bill Maher. Love it. Now, critic, this is on Amazon. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, it will be. <laughs> well, so, it will be soon. It will be soon. You yeah. can go catch it somewhere, but it'll, it'll be there soon. So Catherine, played by Emma Thompson, is a legendary late night talk show comedian whose time might be up, but she's unaware. And while Catherine loves and cherishes her ailing husband, played by John Lithgow, she suffers no fools. You see, Catherine's from the old school and she demands the best out of her writing team, even though she has no idea of who they are. Now, while that's true, she does know that there are no women or people of color on the team. And after she's challenged by a soon-to-be former employee, she decides that it's time for her right-hand man at the show, played by Denny O'Hare, to hire another female writer for her. Things haven't worked out between Catherine and a female writers in the past. And so in comical fashion, they end up hiring Molly, who's a chemical factory worker, yes, and who's played by writer Minnie Cayley. Now, Molly's a fish out of water, so she doesn't quite know how to navigate the otherwise all-male writing room. They don't know how to navigate her either. Plus, she certainly doesn't know what to do with Catherine, whom she idolizes. And so as this film progresses, you see how Molly and Catherine form a strange sort of relationship only to have it fall apart. We also see how some skeletons in Catherine's closet come out to haunt her. But will everything be all right in the end? Hmm. Now look, if you like Mindy Kaling, then you'll certainly like Late Night. It features many of the things that are typically on Mindy's mind. Workplace politics, the Me Too era, male versus female dynamics and the like. It also twists the Me Too Times Up conversation on its head by focusing on a powerful woman who has made and continues to make mistakes. In addition, it addresses issues surrounding women and ageism and other double standards. And that's not all. You also get a hint of rom-com stuff and questions about how women should treat other women. So essentially, this movie leaves no stone unturned, and that's the problem. There's so much going on here that director Nisha Ganatra can't quite corral it all successfully. And many members of this cast, including Amy Ryan, Hugh Dancy, and more, aren't used as effectively as they could have been as a result. Also, every plot point is predictable. I knew the entire arc of this movie from the start. 
Plus, while Mindy's performance seems like something for TV, Emma Thompson's performance is definitely for film. I mean, Emma Thompson is always good, and this performance is no exception. She's always in rhythm, and she knows how to navigate any acting beat effortlessly, which at times actually highlights some of the script's weaker spots. Now, for the first half of this film, the whole cast is in rhythm. So whether the jokes land or not, the acting is sound and there's some fun to be had. However, in the second half of Late Night, when the plot starts to turn, this film's flaws are more, or, or they're just magnified. So again, if you're a Mindy fan, put this on your list, you'll be satisfied. Otherwise, unless you just wanna see Emma Thompson once again prove her extensive acting chops, wait until this is available to rent to watch it. Like the ref said, you can happen upon it one day in the near future on Amazon Prime. Well, here's the deal. With Late Night, I you said a hint of rom-com. It is rom-com. <laughs> it is. It's rom-com between a man and a woman, and it's rom-com between a mentor and a mentee. Period. So if you go in knowing that, like ignore all of the uh, marketing, just ignore it. Ignore all of the, the, the like you were saying, the... The, we're carrying banners of this is going to be this, it's going to be that. Ignore all the hype. Just go in knowing it's a rom-com and you will be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, with that being said, Movie Talk, these two movies come out June 7th. Uh, some wide, some a little more. You have to be a little more crafty. Um, but you can certainly catch them. Do you pay the 15? Well, that's up to you. But we told you what we thought. Now you gotta do what you gotta do. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.